Amber Brown, podcaster in the accounting, finance, and fintech space. Our flagship show, Accounting Influencers, is now one of the world's leading podcasts in this genre and has a number of spin off shows over the years. This particular show is now focusing on talent, which, let's face it, is one of the biggest challenges for the accounting world at the moment. And the format stays the same. I interview the experts, the influencers, and the leaders in many different aspects of culture, talent employer brand succession, talent attraction, retention, soft skills, accounting credentials, qualifications, leadership, mental well-being, the brand of the profession, employee value propositions, employee engagement, increasing capacity and headcount in accounting firms, career development, and the usual HR, learning development, DEI, the great resignation, a ton of other talent-related issues in accounting. And whether you're hiring or being hired, happy where you are or considering a move, leading or following, employed or self-employed, totally skilled up and super employable or needing to refresh your skills, sharpen your personal brand. This is the perfect podcast for you accounting, finance and tech professionals to stay competitive, relevant and informed about all things talent in accounting. So let's get moving with today's show. Influencers Broadcast Network presents Influencers in Accounting with Rob Brown and Martin Bissett. Brought to you by Advanced Track. I'm back here for round two. Our special guest today is Tyler S. Clark. Good day, sir. Good day. Pleasure to be back. Thank you so much. Well, not everyone gets asked back. Tyler, you did a terrific episode last time on dream clients and avatars and what kind of shape the accounting profession is in. So, We'll put that in the show notes here so that listeners can check out that previous one. You're a very straight talking guy. So uh, let me ask you this. What has COVID and the pandemic done for the accounting profession? Good, bad or in the middle? Well, the good is it required, I would say, a much richer appreciation for uh, technology. This had always, I think, been um, a little bit of the bane of the entrepreneurial accountant was kind of always good enough. And I think good enough was not good enough from a technological perspective when COVID hit. Uh, they realized the importance of using Zoom, online schedulers, overall just rehauling up their tech stack, moving all their clients to the cloud finally. So uh, I think that's the best part is I, I find that the accounting profession tends to lag about maybe five years or as much as 10 years behind their maybe co contemporaries and other professional services in terms of technology adoption. But I think that that gap has been narrowed uh, very, very, very close to uh, almost one-to-one -one now when you think about lawyers and some of the other uh, professional service renderers out there. And then I would say that the, uh, you know, the bad thing that, that, I, that has happened from this is <clears throat> I think that a lot of, uh, I think when there is a large, uh, catastrophe, right. There is both the, the downside of it, but there is also some level of upside to it. This is disruption, right. And so when these things happen in the market, I think the bad thing is that accountants, even if they're fast to pick up on technology, I still think they're a little slower to develop new marketing messages relevant to a current economic situation or time. And so that to me is the bad thing is there's still a large gap in how quickly, and this is really what Dream Firms solves and helps our clients with, is how quickly can we make sure that when something big happens and there's a big shift and change that impacts the global economy and the profession, how do we make sure that accountants aren't lagging behind in the 
in the proactive approach to solving those problems and making sure that's incorporated, not just on the back end for their existing clients, but how they can take that fantastic back end experience and really bring it to the front end so that they can attract those dream clients to them by showing how on the cutting edge they really are with their solutions. And it says dream firms on the front of the building, if you like, with your company. What is a dream client in your dictionary of life and business, Tyler? Is this for me personally or, for, or how I would help a client? How you define a dream client for anybody? How would they know if they have a dream client? Uh, a client that you genuinely love to work with and ultimately has a, a service model that's profitable enough for you to create delegation and leverage. I think that's the, that's the simplest thing. You got to love your clients and you got to make sure that they're paying you at a price. A lot of people have clients they love, but they don't love how much they're paying them. And there's a, there's a disjoint there. That's not really a dream client. It could be a good client, okay client but it's not really something that's gonna allow you to build a business that frees you instead of traps you. So uh, I keep my thing simple. You gotta love the client. You really gotta love the profit margin of the service delivery model as well. Yeah, and I suppose you gotta love the work. <laughs> that helps too. Uh, you know, <laughs> we can go back and forth on that, but I, th I think you have to love the end result of the work you do. Maybe not love the work itself because you know it's still is work, but you gotta love what it does for other people. That's fair. And then your value proposition working with dream firms, you talk a lot about generational wealth. Just define that for us, Tyler. Yeah, you know, one of the, one of the things that I, I love about our story, uh, my story in particular is it is really three generations. My grandfather with his accounting firm, my father with his accounting firm, then his consulting firm, and then me working for my father's consulting firm, starting an accounting firm with my father, selling that successfully, and then starting my own consulting firm. So to me, there's this, this has been very important to me ever since I've been a, a child. And it's not just about the, the money. It's really what the money can do, which is why it's wealth impact, right? It's, it's being able to take this and make sure that the world is a better place than when you got here and when you go to leave it. And I find that uh, due to the tutelage of my, of my parents and ultimately the life that they've allowed me to live up until this point, I have nothing other than ultimate gratitude for that. And, and I think if we can just recognize the importance of that and not just keep that for ourselves, but understand that this is generational, what we're looking to do, it's bigger than ourselves. It motivates you a heck of a lot more. And I think ultimately it's something that's worth striving for. Mm. How has the marketing game changed over the last few years? My, my goodness. Um, because we're not sending out mail shots anymore or, or letters or even advertising on TV or radio. The game has changed. Hasn't the game has changed. And, and in, in many uh, instances, I think it's gotten, I normally don't like to say easier, but I, I do think it has gotten easier to get into the game of marketing. Um, and what I mean by that is before, you know, you had to be willing to cold call, right? You had to be willing to send out mailers. They were very costly and expensive. And uh, there are so many smarter and more effective and efficient ways to, to be able to, to get in front of your prospective dream client. And I'm going to emphasize that. Because the mailer and cold caller, yeah, you can have somewhat targeted lists, but at the end of the day, you don't really know. Right now, all the information you could possibly hope to have for your dream clients is publicly and freely accessible online. And I like to use this term, and I heard this from, I think it was maybe Gary Vee, although I'm not a huge Gary Vee fan, but you, know, you don't have to like people to learn from them. <laughs> so, so he said, uh, he said, you know, people think of uh, social media as, as, you know, people dancing on TikTok or doing weird things and it's a way it's for kids. <clears throat> but you should really think about the social media as uh, the Internet 2.0. It, it is effectively the current state of the Internet. And I think when you when you think about it from that perspective, 
you take it a lot more seriously. You don't go, oh, it's just social media. You go, no, it's the current state of the internet. And the question is, are you participating in the greatest marketing <laughs> uh, 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 dream scenario that you could ever realistically hope for? Or are you kind of a, have all these nonsensical fears about content production and whether people will listen to you or, or things of that nature? But if you really want to get into it, I mean, it, it, it couldn't be a better time to want to grow a business because a lot of people are dissatisfied, looking for more, and they couldn't be easier to target. With ease of opportunity and a little barrier to entry comes noise. Everybody jumps into the pool. Everybody's making the noise. Everybody's selling something. And even let's put accountants in that who are not known for the proactive marketing uh, prowess and systems. So how do you begin to guide your clients, Tyler, in cutting through that noise with their marketing and their social media? Yeah, look, I mean, I think that there's a, you're definitely right in the sense that there's a lot of noise in the marketplace at large, but what there is not a lot of noise about is accounting and tax savings and being able to have a high functioning back office. I find that there's a lot of noise about buying courses. I find that there's a lot of a lot of noise about how Facebook ads are revolutionary and going to change your business. And they're just parroting what people said from five years ago and don't actually know the math or the numbers associated with that particular marketing strategy. But my point is, is that there, there are a lot of opportunities for accountants to participate in some form of content production, whether that's just hopping onto the capes of other successful entrepreneurs that already have audiences, but don't have a way to talk about accounting and tax because they can't, they don't know how. And then they can ultimately have you come on as that, that guest. Uh, there's, there's a lot of ways to be able to get in front of an engaged audience as opposed to feel like you simply just need to spam the market and you know, do a live every single day and, and think that's going to make you money. Uh, will it help you become better at presenting? Is, is it a worthwhile skill to develop? Sure. But are there other ways that are ultimately going to be more conducive to cutting through the noise and actually speaking to somebody who has the pain points that you're capable of solving? Yeah, for sure. Uh, but in order to do that, you just have to be willing to participate. And I find that a lot of people, especially accountants, there's a paralysis by analysis, perfectionism, shiny object syndrome. I mean, we can go right down the list. Uh, but when when you're dealing with uh, moving into something that's very uncomfortable, right? It's the digital equivalent of speaking on stage, public speaking, right? Bigger fear than death. <laughs> uh, there's a lot of reasons to not do it. And uh, the best content producers, the best experts in the world will all tell you that they all wish they got started sooner. Um, so don't worry about all the kind of quality constraints right now. You'll, you'll get better the more you do it. And you simply just need to be willing to participate in it. You'll find your voice, you'll find an audience. And that's how you cut through the noise because you don't need to speak to everybody. How do you deal with accountants and CPAs that think that being good is good enough? In other words, if I go out there, do a great job, my name will get known, I'll get referred. I don't need to be on social media. If I'm just head down doing quality work, they will come to me. Is that the world we're in? Does that still work? Well, I think it's always relative. That may be true for that person. And for the person who's done a, a good enough job that the, the world has beat a path to your door, <laughs> fantastic, right? Uh, my blessings, you, you don't need that. It's relative to what your goals are and, and what your time frame is to reaching those goals. I think one of the things that's interesting about this particular comment is I will talk to CPAs, accountants who've been doing it for a, a decade, right? And 
that's awesome. A lot of experience, a lot of goodwill build up with a, a client base, maybe, you know, a couple hundred thousand in business. But now they have growth goals that are maybe, uh, let's say they're doing two, they're doing 250 and they've been at it for 10 years. Now they want to add another 250 in one year. And so now they're saying, but I, you know, I'm, I'm good enough with, with what I've been doing. And I go, but you're, you're literally trying to truncate the amount of time to get that result by one tenth. So there has to be some massive shift in your marketing strategy that is beyond referrals, which is a marketing strategy, a technique, which is great, but there has to be something in addition to that or several things in addition to that in order to be able to reach this new ambitious growth goal because the goal has changed. Uh, but if you're happy with what you've gotten, I mean, then, then you're good. If you're unhappy, something has to change. But it's dangerous, isn't it, playing that game because you don't know what business is going to come in. You don't know what business you're going to lose. And just being a really well-kept secret, not being talked about enough and not being proactive in that, that's a dangerous game to play. Yeah, it comes back to the old saying, which I've always appreciated, which is <laughs> uh, don't wait till you're thirsty to dig your well. And it applies extremely well to, to marketing. I mean, again, think about the businesses that were niched up in businesses that were, uh, the accounting firms that were niched up in businesses that were shut down due to COVID. Now, if they were smart and proactive, they had auxiliary services, PPP loans, and all the different things that come along from, again, massive disruption in the marketplace. There's still opportunities that come from that. We had many clients that were niched up and did had their best years ever in niches that were closed, which sounds crazy, but... Again, there are ways to transition and shift things uh, as long as you're you're keeping your ear to what the market wants, what's their pain points, what are the opportunities, and and just making sure that your market's aware of them, both your existing clients and your prospective clients. And ultimately people will flock to you as long as they're simply aware that you exist and you have uh, you have the ability to sit, solve a, a problem or a pain point they're experiencing. So marketing has changed. And while traditional methods, cold calling, direct mailing, sponsoring events, going out to networking mixers, they still apply, they're less effective perhaps. So we come into this world of social media and digital marketing. How do you advise firms get started with that? Or maybe they've got a marketing department and a budget there, a resource, but there's so many different directions they can go in. Yeah, it's a great question. And, and, you know, just to address the first part of that, I find that the pendulum swings, right? It go, it'll go heavy, 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 heavy digital. And then I find that we're going to start to see a little bit of a swing back on the analog side. Um, so I, I think- Let's get back face to face and shake hands again. Right? Yeah, yeah. Because it's new now. It's different. It's like, whoa, right? Like people are, yeah, it's, it, it's again, it's like you want to try and create that meaningful impression, that first impression. And again, there are a lot of ways to do that, both digitally and in person. And I think all these strategies should be uh, ideally as complementary as possible. Uh, but I, I think that the, the best way to understand how to get started with social media is if you pay too much attention to the metrics, in other words, your impressions, your likes, your reaches, why aren't people commenting and engaging, you will, you will give up very fast. What you need to do is you need to ignore that stuff as much as possible. I know that sounds crazy, but the problem is, is if you're so focused on that, you're going to get deflated and you will not want to build this habit and keep it going. So some tactical things very quickly that I find work very well is that one, uh, your dream client profile will always tell you what is the best use of your time and or resources on social media. If you're targeting restaurant owners, and I know I'm using this one, this example quite a bit, but you're probably not on LinkedIn because restaurant owners aren't on LinkedIn, right? Like not gonna be a great place for you to spend your resources. Uh, but you'll want to spend them on Instagram. You'll definitely want to be on Facebook, right? And so what's what I think sometimes get lost in this conversation of social media is they think if I simply 
similar to your example earlier, like if I do a good thing, people will come. If I post good tax tips, people will come and follow me and like me. And the truth is, no, they won't because there's no guarantee the algorithm is going to show that. It's very hard for, for people to see that stuff and search it out. And so what you have to do is you have to go and search out your prospective dream clients on these social media platforms and ultimately make sure that they're aware that you exist. Like, comment, follow, friend, connect. And then as they start to do this one-to-one -one connection and relationship, it can start to snowball. But you have to be willing to put in that groundwork foundational level of do my profiles, are they optimized? Do they say I'm specific to my niche, my restaurants, right? Like, can they see that I'm like a part of the, of the in crowd, right? They, they get it. And if not, fix that. And then once that's all in place, right, let's go and target those people that would ultimately appreciate what we're putting out there because it's not for everybody and that's totally okay. But you got to have that target and you got to make sure you look the part. Looking the part, it's so important. And doing the heavy lifting and the, the early legwork, but I can hear a lot of accountants sighing to themselves saying, well, Tyler, I'm already busy. I'm already maxed out. So I guess that's where they come to you, but you don't do it all for them. You can't do the push-ups or run their miles for them. They've got to employ some kind of outsourcing or marketing function to get this done properly, right? Yeah, well, uh, in our Create Your Dream Firm program, we actually do do all of this for them. We do website builds, funnel builds, uh, social media the, the right way that actually gets you clients. And builds that must be a big relief for them. Because hey, yeah, trust me, it's a good value proposition. But yeah, I mean, look, the, the whole thing is that I realized going back about you know 18 months ago is that um, courses are fantastic and we had a lot of service to go along with it, but they're too busy. Um, it'd be the equivalent of trying to, uh, sell someone an accounting course. That's a high performing entrepreneur and being like, no, you do your accounting now. It's like, but what, what do you mean? It's like, no, no, no. We actually are a service company. So we want to provide as much service as we reasonably can to, uh, to ultimately make the, the mission, uh, a success of again, attracting dream clients, creating the dream firm. But, uh, there is some work that has to, of course, be done by the owner. And, and the way I, I always position this, and this comes back to our, you know, our conversation from, from the, uh, what we talked about last time, uh, when I was first on the podcast is the appreciation for the owner's time and de-bottlenecking. They seem to think that it's going to take hours upon hours each and every single week to simply make sure that there's some form of originality coming from the firm, uh, copy paste blogs don't work, right? Copy paste social media posts. They're not working. And so we need some level of authenticity to come from the firm owner. And that's not going to take more than 15 to 30 minutes a week. And then if you have the dream firms, teams and systems on your side, we take that and make sure it gets in front of all of those prospective dream clients that are in that target category. Uh, but no, we do a lot of the heavy lifting. Social media is a vast array of opportunities and platforms, as you've hinted at. Is it necessary to be on multiple ones or can you just pick a lane swim with that, go as deep as you can, because you figure that's where the fish you need to catch are swimming in mode. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely a, a, a depth over as many places we can be uh, type of person. I, I, so my, my rule of thumb is that once you get good at one platform, in other words, again, it's a, uh, not good. Once you have a systemized level of results from a certain platform, in other words, you will continue to grow your Facebook group by X members per week without the owner's direct time. You will continue to get X amount of pieces of engagement on LinkedIn without the owner's direct time. Now, I know I'm talking about metrics and I said not to do that earlier, but my point is, is that if you focus on that, you won't, you'll stop. But once you get good enough and you have the habit, you'll start to pay attention to them and you'll know what the benchmarks are. And if once you're like, hey, these are good benchmarks, we're getting 50 new group members per week, they're all in the restaurant space, they're all in the crypto space, whatever, awesome. 
Why don't we start to open up another traffic platform, another social media platform? Because the you know the secret sauce of uh, and I, I like to say there are no secrets in the information age, but the the best content producers in the world, what they do is they will create a piece of content and then they will syndicate it in a lot of different places because you don't know always where your dream client's going to be or what platforms are super active on. You can do some research on it, but that's the Gary Vaynerchuk way, isn't it? Exactly. You just, you make sure that that gets seen as in many places as possible. The key here again is like, you can't be directly responsible for this outside of just that original piece of content because you've got too many things to do. Um, so yeah, I mean, to me, it's like, start with one, get really good at it, systemize it so that you can get that predictable result. Once you have that, open up another one. And again, it's like dream clients most active on this platform. This is the second platform they're most active on. So it should be a logical progression based on where your clients, our prospective clients spend their most time. Yeah. And we've seen many accountants get social media wrong throughout the pandemic. I've seen a, a lot of posts of we're here for you, but they're not picking up the phones. I've seen a lot of posts on just relaying information. This is the latest government initiative. This is what you need to know about furlough. So they're just copying and pasting stuff. There's no real commentary or insight on there. So enlighten us a little bit about what good content is, Tyler. So good content to me is not perfect. And that might sound weird, but... One of the one of the things that stops accountants from producing content is they think everything has to be 100% right, that they think that they're liable if someone does something wrong because they watched a YouTube video from them. They they think that their hair doesn't look right, so they won't, you know, or they got to read it line from line from a script. That is inauthentic, right? Like that's not what people want or are looking for. They're looking for someone who has some leadership qualities, right? Is is willing to flip the camera on, say hello and say, even if you're just saying, hey, here are the major changes. And you know, this change right here, this is one that you guys should really be consulting with your accounting professional about because there's a lot of intricacies to this. And just two of the ones that I'm aware of off the top of my head are up, up. Now, the thing is, is almost every single legitimate entrepreneurial accountant could easily have that conversation in a one-on-one -on -one setting, right? They could easily do that. And then for some reason, when I say, well, why don't you just flip on the camera and have that conversation? They go, oh, I can't do that. And I go, but why? <laughs> we just had that conversation. Like I, I didn't even, I didn't even need to say or do anything. And it was wonderful. So to me, it's, again, we have all these fears pent up in our head of what's good content, what's bad content, but good content is simply just taking what is topical and relevant to your audience and being willing to share your secrets because there are no secrets in the information age. They just want to know that someone can break it down, make it digestible, and ultimately they will be willing to trust you a lot faster as a result. Yeah, and jumping in, one of the fears is nobody will watch this, nobody will look at this, but you've got to jump in despite that, haven't you? And be prepared for that, no likes, no watches, no interactions, until you get it, the plane off the ground. Well, I always, I, I hear this all the time, right? Again, it's I had no followers at some point. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, I, I, everyone started from no, from something. And I, I start, I used to, I make this joke all the time. Like, um, so first of all, you can change your Facebook group name at any point. And a lot of people don't really know that. So they're afraid to get started. What if I don't like my name? What if it changes? What do I mean? Each changes. It's fine, right? Like it's fine. These things can and will evolve. That's kind of the point. But I, I say, um, you know, when I first started, our Facebook group name was called Accounting Advertising Secrets. Blah, it was so bad. It was so lame. And like, and then we changed, you know, I reflected, I, I knew a lot about my dream client already, but I said, what do they talk about a lot? Talk about being proactive. And so we renamed it the proactive accountants. And then Right. And then people started to join more and it started to get more traction. And, and it's okay that you start something that you're not super happy with. And then you get more insights by interacting with them. And it ultimately makes it better. And one other point on this, which is just 
Would you rather be giving your face first live or piece of content in front of an audience of dream clients? Or would you rather practice a few times by yourself effectively because no one's paying attention? <laughs> right? It's like, I'd rather practice for a bit. It's like, exactly. And that's how it works. Like you'll get better at it and your audience will grow over time and then you'll get better and better. And then you'll have a bigger and bigger audience. Tala, that's terrific. We'll put your contact details on show notes and uh, you work with firms all over the world. From your turn, you tend to work with the owners and the smaller firms because they're the ones that can pivot quickly and make the changes you need them to change. Would that be fair? Yeah. So the way I, I like to summarize this is a micro full service accounting firm. Um, what I mean by that is even if I mentioned Mr. 1040 on our last show, uh, but if you have a if you have a value proposition where you're saying, hey, this is my zone of genius and this is all I want to do. As long as you have the mentality of I'm willing to build strategic relationships with other people who will offer auxiliary services, we'll, we'll be more than happy to help you. But you should still be thinking micro full service accounting firm. And yeah, I mean, when I say micro, uh, this is less than $2 million in revenue from startup up to $2 million. If you've got multi-partner, you got seven cooks in the kitchen, uh, you got a marketing director who for some reason thinks I'm going to step on their toes, even though like all I care about are results, like I can't possibly step on your toes. I just want to know how to, how to do a better job, right? Uh, like those are things that I'm just not, I will just wholesale say no to. Uh, but if, if you're in that category of, again, micro full service accounting firm and you're looking to uh, create a dream firm, we'd love to uh, ultimately just have a conversation and make sure it's a good fit. We've got a lot of listeners who are not owners. They don't have the autonomy of being able to make the decision they want and maybe steer the firm in the direction they know they needs to go in. But they'll be listening to you thinking this guy talks a lot of sense. What words of encouragement or advice might you give to them to bring about some change in their firm and, and get the owners thinking about dream clients? Well, you know, um, so I think one of the one of the things that comes up sometimes I'll, I'll take I end up uh, having a call with someone who's in that position. It's pretty rare, but sometimes it happens and they may be on think they're on a track to partner. They may be looking for just more responsibility at large in the firm. And, you know, one of the one of the things that I like to help them understand is the the criteria that makes up a partner or the criteria that makes up someone who will be trusted with more responsibility and earn a higher salary is the person who is proactively solving problems on behalf of the firm, right? Like that's what they're doing. Uh, there's a, an expression that I'm, I kind of like, kind of don't like, but it's better to ask for forgiveness than it is for permission. And I find that many of these, uh, these, these ideas will, will die in their infancy simply because we take them and they're half fleshed out or they don't actually have any merit or they haven't been proven or haven't been shown at a level that's high enough for the person that's right above them to say, oh yeah, this is no brainer. It's sort of like, well, it sounds like there's a lot of legwork for us to do or for me to do. It sounds like that this is more like my responsibility now. I got to go talk to someone else. It's like, why don't we just table that? Whereas if we bring it to them and it's fully formed and we go, well, no, here it is. It's ready to go. Like now I just need a quick sign off or, hey, I already got three people who said that they're really interested in this new CFO engagement style project. Yeah, it's the business case. Yeah. <laughs> and and here's how, here's what it looks like. And then they're like, oh, uh, actually, yeah, like this, this makes perfect sense. So that to me is the main takeaway is if you just still take that proactive entrepreneurial spirit, which is I look for problems to solve that would be valuable to solve. And you just use that as the bedrock for being able to bring forth meaningful uh, plans of action or meaningful results, then you'll be seen as someone that will be, you'll be a keeper, right? Like, th like those are the people in my organization that I, I would like, you know, they're like sacred to me because they're the, they're the, they, they're the benefit of the entrepreneur, but they have the safety of the paycheck. 
And I, I love that type of person because they're they're the best employees in the world. Um, and, and again, to me, it's just more of a mindset than anything else. Sure. Let's wrap up with the three top tips, Tyler. Your three top tips for effective social media marketing for our accounting firms. What have you got for us? Ooh. Uh, number one is easily uh, define your dream client. I, I There will never be anything that I say that does not start with, if you don't know who you're targeting and you don't know everything about them, uh, where they spend their time online. Like you've got to, you've got to, when I say know your dream client, it's not just like restaurants. It's like, no, what are the most popular restaurant Facebook groups? Like who are the top, who are the top 50 influencers for restaurantpreneurs? Like that, when I say know your dream client, it's know them, not just the the title. So that's easily number one is know the lay of the land and let that be defined by your dream client. Uh, the second thing is don't be afraid to get started with content, but be willing to do it the right way. And look, I don't want to turn this into a sales pitch, but I know that we have a very limited amount of time here to finish this ep- this episode. But if you buy the $67 Practice Igniter Challenge, you gain access to the Dream Firms Network. Inside of Dream Firms Network, we have the content production or planning, production, and syndication guide. It's a three-part guide. Everything you could ever possibly know about how to do this the right way, as efficiently as possible, is accessible to you. So I'd argue step number two is just make sure you have the right system in place so that you have some level of confidence to get started, right? Like, that's it. And then the third one is get started, right? Like, <laughs> and don't stop. It's, it's really as simple as that. It's like, the reason the internet is referred to as a as a, a graveyard of dead blogs is people start things, they think it's easy, they don't understand the amount of time that goes into it, they don't know how to create delegation and leverage, and so they give up very fast. And what you need to do is understand when you start this, it is something that you can legitimately never stop if you ultimately want to be seen as a better expert. You want to be literally hunted by your prospective dream clients. They will seek you out because of how prolific you are with ultimately your expert status. Hello, it's Clark. Thanks so much for your passion, your knowledge. Today. That's been exceptional. It's absolutely a pleasure. And uh, thank you so much for the opportunity. Accounting Influencers Broadcast Network presents Influencers in Accounting. Brought to you by Advanced Track. Your access to world-class accounting leaders, global influencers, and thought leaders. Discover what makes accounting firms great and accounting professionals world-class. Thank you for listening to this new Talent in Accounting podcast. This is a relatively new show, but already has over a 1,000 listeners, so we appreciate you tuning in and sharing the show with your connections. If you have a potentially good guest you'd like to see on the show with some great insights on talent, reach out to me on LinkedIn with a message, and we'll follow them up. And as we build this show up, we're looking for a couple of sponsors for whom talent and the accounting finance space is important loads of great opportunities to get your brand out there and show your key messages and even get some of your own guests on the show. Again, drop me a message on LinkedIn to tee up that conversation. And for great podcast content elsewhere, make sure you subscribe to our main show, Accounting Influencers, goes out every Monday. 
and join the 40,000 listeners in 150 countries for brilliant interviews with the top leaders, experts, and influencers in the accounting and fintech world. Finally, why don't you join us and our community with some conversations at our next virtual speed networking session. These are now taking place every two months for accounting, finance, and tech professionals. 75 minutes of speed dating, great discussions, raising your personal profile, making new connections. Go to accountinginfluencers.com to register your free place for our next event. Thanks for tuning in. Have a great day.